Well, hello everybody and welcome back to the All Saints podcast. I have something very special in store for you today. I'm here with our uh, most recent addition to the staff team here at All Saints. Uh, your pastor, my dear friend, Pastor Jeff Shaw. How are you doing, Jeff? Great. Yeah, Great. Nice to be here with you. Wonderful, yeah. wonderful. And the reason I wanted to do this was because um, Jeff preached a sermon on Sunday entitled Refusing a Great Commission, beginning a series of sermons that he's going to be uh, preaching, taking us through the book of Jonah. And I just thought, uh, talking it through with you beforehand, certainly listening to it on Sunday, it raised in my mind a whole bunch of other things that you either touched on or didn't have time to touch on that Mm. I'd love to explore more. We didn't get to do forum because we had (laughs) those two families and that little kid being baptized and which was more to come. I'm joking, right? That was absolutely delightful. Mm. Um, It was just wonderful. Uh, But of course, you know, we we didn't get a chance to talk afterwards in Mm. forum. And um, I suspect if your sermon prep is like mine, Jeff, you get to the end of that and, You've you've cut out a whole bunch of things hmm. that it, it'll be maybe we'll touch upon it another time. Well, this is one of the reasons I love this podcast because it means that I can revisit things I've missed out, and in this case, I can ask you. Yeah, so that's good. Why wouldn't just kick us off? Um, refusing a great commission. Give us a sense of like what was the big idea of what you're trying to share with us from Jonah chapter one verses one to three. Yeah. Just well, maybe even to go back further than that, I just yep. remember when we were discussing the fact that I was going to be preaching. Uh, five weeks this summer, and we were discussing what would you like to preach, and we were, yeah. re- you know, we were reviewing, investigating what's been preached here at All Saints in the past. Um, I was thrilled to see that Jonah had not been preached for. I don't, I don't right. think we ever found when it was preached right, last right, right. here, and um, you know, to be able to preach an Old Testament narrative, which I think really speaks to contemporary issues mm-hmm. that we struggle with, that we yeah. you know wrestle with, and so this is a real privilege to do a deep dive, no pun intended, in this book, right? So, <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. Yeah, okay. So, um, Refusing a Great Commission was the title. So Jonah, um, the word of the Lord comes to Jonah, um, go and preach to Nineveh, and he's like, yeah. uh, not on your life, and he heads off to Tarshish. Um, tell us what, what, what you think is going on there in Jonah's mind first, just to recap. Yeah, that. yeah I mean, I, again, I think uh, a lot of it is just knowing you know, I kind of waited until towards the end of the sermon to really engage the fact that Jonah had a really cushy uh, call yeah, early yeah, on, yeah. right? I mean, he was called to prophesy to his own people, mm-hmm. and he was in a situation where it wasn't, you know, very... He, it, most prophets are given an assignment of going and confronting an evil king, and mm-hmm. here he was, he had an evil king, mm-hmm. um, and he wasn't called to go and confront him. In fact, he was called to prophesy good things. Right, we're going right. to expand. We're going to do well, mm-hmm. um, and you know, we, maybe we don't know the whole of yes. what he was called to, but that's what we're given in in Second in Kings. Kings fourteen. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I think that's fascinating because what, it's one of the things I love about the scriptures. When you start to dig into it, you find that all of it, in different ways, mm-hmm. is relevant to our situation. But this, perhaps more than most, because here we are as preachers, yeah. we get to speak the word of God um, to a community of the people of God um, in the midst of a context where our nation Hmm. is really drifting further and faster away from Christ than it has done for a long time. Now there are some discontinuities here. So with the nation of America and the church of Christ are distinct entities. Whereas in (laughs) old covenant Israel, there's 
there's a kind of identification, at least with the people, if not the 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 civil and religious authorities are distinct, obviously. Right. Um, but nonetheless, the 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 sense of I don't know what would you call it complacency, mm-hmm. or maybe even self satisfaction that Jonah could have been tempted to feel at that point could be mirrored in our day when, well, here we are. You know, we admitted two new families to membership right. um, last right. week. We've got another one or two on the schedule for this coming Sunday. We've we're growing wonderfully. Um, mostly with Christians joining us. Yeah. And you bring us Jonah where the Lord tells the representative of his people to go and speak to rebellious, ungodly Nineveh. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a temptation. You're touching on something that I think there's a temptation in the church, our church included, right? mm -hmm. Um, When you're enjoying prosperity, that that can foster complacency. Right. 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 You just, you're comfortable. Things are going well. In our case, we're seeing families added. Praise the Lord. We want to see more of that. Right. But the last thing that the Lord wants from us is for us to become proud and for us to become hardened to the Mm -hmm. world outside of us and to be throwing stones and saying, you know, those those wicked Ninevites. Right. 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 God's not calling us to uh, to engage them at all. Right, right. Because look at this, we're expanding our borders. We're yeah. really enjoying God's God's bounty here. Yeah, well, and, and that was just fascinating. The whole way that you um, you raised the contemporary issue to which this passage speaks, mm. where so um, Gay Pride was well, not even just Gay Pride now. It's Pride Month, mm-hmm. the celebration of all the well, many of the things which are most wicked and ungodly about our culture and our temptation could so easily be to do a, to do a Jonah. It's like I, the, the last person on earth that I want to speak to is the, um, the blue-haired, mid-transition mm-hmm. guy who thinks he's a girl who happens to wander in in a, a stupor of ideological confusion into one of our Bible studies or into our church service. I, don't, I certainly don't want him anywhere near my kids. Frankly, I don't want to talk to him either because he's the last person... Um, who I want in my church. Right. Um, and one wonders, I mean, that seems somewhat far-fetched. Well, um, uh, my daughter and my wife, um, Nicole, my wife, and, and Becky, my daughter, came back just recently from a trip to New York. It was a kind of treat for Becky, graduation treat. They had a couple of days up there, mm-hmm. cheap flight up, hotel, a couple of days. Let me tell you, there's a bunch of blue hair and people in transition there yeah and what happens on the coast eventually reaches the heartland so we we're headed for that kind of situation right and that was another you know thing i tried to touch on is we 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 kind of like to just keep it at bay we don't want to engage it but Mm -hmm. trust me it's going to engage us yeah i mean it's it really is intrusive i mean just look at the google calendar i mean (laughs) yeah this is just a calendar right Yeah, yeah but they got to tell us it's pride month and it's you know and this is everywhere and it's right. not going to it's not going to stop right and so you know we have a decision to make each day really yes which is yes. whether to engage it yeah and engaging it doesn't have to be you know just again with kind of tolerance and cheap grace and 
easy love, it can be, no, we're, you know, we're graciously calling you to repentance because right, there's no right. life in that. Yes. You know, and that's the, that's the gracious thing to do is to call people who are dying. Right. Uh, to, to a savior who, who right. grants life. And, and I think that was, that was the thing that re- was reinforced in my mind just by listening to you. So the, uh, in the contemporary culture, we experience pressure to embrace, put rainbow flags on the side of our church building and so on and so forth. Right. Um, and tragically, there are some churches that follow that kind mm. of path. Yeah. And then there's another kind of Christian subculture where the pressure is um, to find ways really of just expressing hostility. Mm-hmm. Winsomeness, quote unquote, has become a dirty word largely because of association with that former misplaced reaction of just accepting everything. But right. you know, first Peter three, uh, do it with gentleness and respect, mm-hmm. right? Like what, what, why would we not want to be biblically winsome and persuasive to try to show people graciously that this way of life has, has got no future. And that's not the sort of thing you can say just by smashing people over the head with invective um, we've we've somehow got to find a way. It seems to me of adopting a posture of theologically and ideologically absolutely immovable, right. and yet the doors are always wide open, mm-hmm. and we're genuinely welcoming people. Yeah, and I, it strikes me that's the challenge. Really. Yeah, and I I think the key is engagement. So because we really have more than just two options, right? It's more than just... There, there is a third way. Right? Yeah, I, you know, I, I'm down with your agenda. I'm going to hang the rainbow flags outside of our mm-hmm. church. That's one path. Another path is to, you know, throw the stones over the wall, so yes, to speak, yes, and yes. condemn those outside the wall. But a third choice that's not right even is to just disengage. Right. Yeah. And to say, like, Just I don't I don't want to talk to my neighbors. I don't want to yeah. talk to yeah. people who are different than me. Yes. And I think that's probably the silent, though, greatest threat right. facing right. the church today. So, so let's suppose we mm. t- try and articulate this in practical terms. So, like, in reality, I, I could paint a caricature of um, somebody who is, by their appearance, parading their mm. um, embrace of all that is... Um, perverse and twisted mm-hmm. walking into our church and we all know that's not going to happen that often no um, what's more likely to happen is uh, we have some kind of opportunity to build some kind of bridge and establish some kind of relationship with people who have more or less confusion about mm-hmm. Christ right our, our neighbors people we work with uh, people we encounter socially or through uh, sporting or educational contexts. Do, do you have any thoughts about how to approach, just at the practical level, how to approach those kinds of scenarios, members in the congregation? Right. I mean, I, <laughs> I'm going to think re- really small and you yes. know, start simple here. I really think it is a litmus test of whether we know our neighbors. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. I doubt that we live... We live in a semi-Christian culture here in West Fort Worth, right? But chances are our neighbors, um, some of them are not Christians and some of them are not, don't profess to be Christians. Mm -hmm. And I know I can say that about one of my own neighbors. 
Right. And uh, I can remember the first thought I had when I met them when I moved here three three months ago, and they just so happen to also be from the L.A. area. Right. And <laughs> they are not like some of the Californians that are, you know, coming out to Texas and looking for freedom and all this kind of stuff right. or whatever they're looking for, right? A more conservative and maybe even Christian culture right, out yeah. here, but they are representative of where I came from. Right, and they're slightly anxious <clears throat> about moving to such a conservative and yeah, uh, right. Christian-shaped. And they're a little, um, you know, their language told me right off the bat that they are... They probably don't darken the door of a church. Mm -hmm. And I think to myself, the easiest thing to do would be for me to wall myself off from them and just say, okay, well, they're not my type of folks. But, you know, I think that the Lord is calling us to hold out the word of life to them, Mm -hmm. right? I think that's that's really Mm -hmm. helpful. And just just a couple of thoughts strike me. (laughs) One is practical, which maybe I'll come to in a second. But the first is it's more an issue of um, what is our underlying disposition hmm. um so let's just put, put the practical stuff just on ice for a second because yeah. everyone's situation is different but you said some things on on sunday about the depravity and wickedness of um this community the people of nineveh the assyrians were famed for the brutality with which they treated their enemies in war they would make an exhibition of the tortured bodies of the people whom they captured. Right. And the Lord wants to warn them through his prophet about the judgment which is headed their way. Mm-hmm. But he does so out of compassion. And even Jonah realizes that later in the book. I mean, I know you're going to come to this. Yeah. Um, uh, but Jonah realizes that God is driven by compassion for the most brutal, violent, wicked nation in the ancient Near East. Mm -hmm. And it just strikes me that before we talk about what shall I do, we've got to think about our affections and our our emotional posture. What's our knee-jerk response? Right. Do you want to Mm. say what you're talking about? You know, we we struggle with hate, Mm -hmm. right? And we know that the Lord hates wickedness. But somehow we have to distinguish that from the Lord taking pleasure in the death of the wicked. Which he does not do. Which he does not do, which the Bible tells us repeatedly yes, yes. that he does not do. Yes. Right? I mean, from for instance, in the to the prophet Ezekiel, yes. he's ba- basically calling the prophet Ezekiel to deliver this message, turn, turn from your ways, why will you die, mm. O house of Israel, right? Yes, yes, yes. He doesn't want them to die, and he doesn't want the the nations outside of Israel to perish. Yes. Um, so I think, yeah, I think we have to address our own hatred. Yeah. yeah. Our own desire to see the wicked yes. perish. Right. Yeah. And, and the way you put it, <coughs> you've you got a, a line, I can't remember exactly what you said, but you said something like it was, you asked it in the form of a question, like, would we rather see yeah. target and bud light repent, just implode? Yeah. Or repent. Would it yeah. would it make us happy to see Target completely disappear off the Russell three thousand? Yeah. So that it becomes an, a nothing company. Or would we much rather see them change? Yeah. And, and I'm by the way, I'm preaching to myself right, when right, I'm preaching right. this. Because I'm following the news and I'm saying I'm Yay. Well. And yeah, I'm actually yeah. saying internally <clears throat> excuse me. I'm saying internally yay. Right. When they're failing. Yeah, yeah. When they get when they get what they deserve. Yeah. 
yeah. yeah. And, you know, I again, I, I empathize with that. I understand that, right? Because we don't want wickedness to win. Right, right. And we also, you know, we're tired of the intrusion yes, of these... Yeah this agenda yes. upon us in the church yeah. and trying to get us to conform and get on board with it. And it frustrates us when we can't just separate things like sports or shopping or yeah, what, what have you. Why does have to be contaminated with this? Right. Why does everything have to be? Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. It's very frustrating. Yeah, and I think what's what's fascinating, if you think, just thinking pastorally, in, as I'm talking to people, I know you're doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. If you think about ourselves, there is always just about enough justification in a wrong attitude hmm. To justify it, yeah, but almost by definition, obviously <laughs> we know that it's right that the unrepentant wicked should be overthrown by the power of God. It's right that those who seek to harm, whether physically or emotionally or ideologically, the most vulnerable, should um, fall into the pit that they've dug. Right. That those things are in the Bible, but they're in the Bible in the context of I don't desire the death of anyone. Why mm-hmm. will you die? And a, a saviour who came to die for those who hated him at the time when he died for them. Right. So it's that emotional and it's almost like a pastoral mm. posture yeah. that we need to, to cultivate, I guess, isn't it? And this is why I think I wanted to talk about this before a kind of nitty gritty. I mean, by the way, this is very much in line with. You know, the, our Lord's words from the cross, forgive yeah. them for they don't know what they're doing. Right. Yes. It's the same thing as we see at the end of this book. Right? Yes. People don't know their right hand from their left. Yes. I yes. mean, they are ignorant. And I think that, you know, when you talked earlier about before we even dive into action, we got to address our affections. Yeah, I think with regard to that, we need to be mm. thinking about, uh, you know, we we say it, it's a cliche, right? We adopt it, except for the grace of God, there go I. Mm. But yeah. it's a reality yeah, for really us. Yeah. If we're not born into this and and we're not nurtured in in this covenant community, mm. if we're not constantly rescued from sin, yes. we can yes. you know we can go down that path and we wouldn't be any different from the the transitioning blue haired yeah, yeah 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 you know God hating yeah, yeah. violent whatever 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 it know, is whatever yeah. it is yeah and that. So it's interesting, the, the emotional posture that we take towards people does translate into actions, but it doesn't translate into a script. Mm. So yeah. often people have said to me in evangelistic or apologetic contexts, you know, my friend at college says this, what should I say? Mm. Well, my neighbours are Muslims, or my neighbours think this, what should I say? And I, th- I always feel like I can't, I can't give you a script for this, but I can tell you that if you if you adopt a certain stance in relation to the truth and mm-hmm. in relation to them, you, you you can then pray for the right words at the right time. Mm-hmm. But it's almost like there's a prior question. Like when you when you get into your van with your kids to come to church on a Sunday morning, and your neighbours happen to notice you, what do you want them to think about you? Right now, obviously, we're not responsible for what people think about us. We're not, you know, we're responsible to love people, not make them feel like we love them. But there is something in this, isn't it? Where do we want to give them an excuse to think that we're the self-righteous ones going to church? Or do we want them, do we want to give them every reason to think that, you know, we're the most friendly, welcoming people in the neighborhood. And Mm -hmm. um, we would be thrilled if they um, came around to our house after church on Sunday and just hang out with our kids and 
ate ice creams in the sunshine and hey maybe you can come to church if you like right, Th- right. there's that kind of openness to people <clears throat> which it it doesn't follow a script like we haven't got a script here that we're following right but we kind of know what we want to talk about mm-hmm. we know the kind of posture we're trying to adopt to these ideas and that, that gives us what we can talk about and i think if we if we are prayerful if we look for opportunities and if we try and build relationships mm with neighbours and co-workers, um, the words will come. Yeah. You know, but but it's that posture that the Lord has. It's, it's, it's hard to imagine how he could have been more extreme. Let me find the most violent, brutal, threatening, <laughs> uh, ideologically right. diverse nation on the face of the earth and send my prophet to go and warn them and plead with them to repent. Right. That, that's... However bad Fort Worth may be, well, maybe we, we sanitize things. So, but, but it's the same kind of polarity. Right? We see this all the time, though, really. In, and we lack faith in, in believing that God will do something great right. in saving the wicked, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. But, um, you know, and Pastor Neil's got a prison ministry. Right. It, these are some of the most violent, wicked offenders, yes, right? Yes, yes. The people that we read about in the news and we're appalled by the things that they do and they go to prison and, and God a, so, sometimes yeah. softens them in yeah, prison, yeah. right? And ripens them for a reception of the gospel. Oh yeah. And, and, and Pastor Neil has spoken, <clears throat> I think a number of times, certainly to me and, and, and I'm sure in other contexts about how remarkably open people are. In that. Right. Now there right. are reasons for that, obviously, but it, your point about uh, faith in what God might do, mm-hmm. I, yeah. There's there's a part of me that wants to, you know, let, let's go back to this, um, the the temptation for people from our particular corner of the reformed world to be pugilistic, to be aggressive, really to play to the choir, you know, we to to say things to the world, but not for the sake of the world. We're really kind of trying to um, show other <laughs> Christians what kind of Christians we are. Yeah. Well. I want to say that's not post-mill enough, right? We, I, <laughs> yeah. there's, a, there's a temptation to think that what post-millennialism means is that all the people who are already Christians will end up in my church. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not what it means. What right. it means is that God will save Nineveh. And wouldn't it be wonderful if he did it on our watch? But he's only going to do it if we're compassionate. Yeah. And, okay, so in one sense, that's what he's teaching Jonah. Um, uh Jonah was pretty much forced, dragged, kicking and screaming mm-hmm. by a fish to go and do. And he preached the most, I don't know what you think of the sermon. It's chapter, pretty pre- anemic. It's pretty anemic sermon. <laughs> but even through that, the Lord yeah. redeemed this nation's people. Right. You know, cattle in sackcloth and everything. So I, I guess I want to say we, 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 sh- we shouldn't think of the, the victorious triumph of the church as basically... It's about building as a platform big enough to get heard so that when we shout at the nations, we make a loud noise. Right. No, it's building a church that fills the earth, which means that the compassion of the Lord will draw the nations in. Right. Right. And it's so there's that massive vision. Mm-hmm. And then there's the kind <clears throat> of the micro scale of this. It's the, the young lad at All Saints who's in a mm-hmm. baseball team. And he's playing against another local team, and there are a bunch of kids there who either aren't Christians or they're clueless Christians. And 
the way that he behaves speaks to them. Whereas how you speak to the lady across the fence at home or it's how you speak to your co-workers in the office. It's these little tiny things. We want to uh, frame those within this picture of history where these are tiny, tiny ingredients that the Lord uses to bring about his compassionate conquest of the world. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, I agree that... Um, <laughs> I mean, the proof is in the pudding if, right, if you're right. a true post-millennialist. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah, so let's act like it. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, well, that, that's an interesting question as well, isn't it? I mean, this is just to revisit the, the kind of hypothetical stereotype scenario. Um, I, I was thinking when we were talking about your, your prep for this, our, our response to the most egregious acts of evil committed against the most vulnerable people in our society, so the abortion uh, mm-hmm. mills or the obvious yeah. context, um, Anger is so justified and so instinctive and denunciation feels so right and is right that it can obscure the other right biblical response, which is, you know, why, why will you not repent of this? Right. Why, why will you not turn away from the death that you're bringing on others and bringing on yourself? Right. Um, please, please will you sit down with us and let us talk to you for five minutes about what you're doing to these women, if you're the doctor or... Or the other end of the spectrum, this is what I love about the um, uh, Pregnancy Help Centre of Fort Worth. Mm -hmm. Um, It's why I'm so enthusiastic about supporting them, is that what they'll say to women and and to their partners, the the fathers of the children they're carrying, is, look, um, let us help you. Mm. If you don't feel able to raise this child, let us help you. We will help you raise a child. We'll help you um, put the child up for adoption. You that there is another way right. which involves a display of compassion. And it's costly. And uh, it, it will be so easy for us to see, as I think we're all in different ways inclined to see, again, the, the right response to evil is to condemn it. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm just kind of grateful that the Lord doesn't see that as the only response. You know? Right. Um, and it, there, there is plenty of room for a cry... Uh, for the for the message to be repent and believe, yes, right? Yes, yeah. It's and it does start with repent. I mean, I yeah. I don't think that we're um, I don't think that everybody who goes to an abortion clinic mm. to um, cry out against it is going uh, with hate in their heart. No, I do not. I do th- think sometimes some people who go are going with yes, hate in their yes. heart. But I think um, you know it, it takes great courage to go to those places in our society and mm. cry out against the evil that's going on and truly be calling people to repentance. Yes, yes. Well, and this is the, uh, this last point about calling people to repentance. Is just, just we've been talking nearly half an hour, so mm. I do want to make, get your thoughts on this. I think one of the most helpful things to remind ourselves is that repentance is itself a gift. Mm. So when we, when we call somebody to repent... Yeah. And I know it's a stereotyped phrase, but you, you know the different ways in which that might be done. Mm-hmm. We are inviting them to accept a gift. Mm-hmm. So uh, God has granted even the Gentiles repentance unto life. Yeah. In the book yeah, of Acts, right? right? What that highlights is that repentance is not something that they manned up and did. Mm-hmm. Repentance is something that God gave them the new heart to do. Calvin's doctrine of salvation is all centered on this reality that the, the very union with Christ by which we receive forgiveness is the union by which we are transformed. Right. So 
if we reframe repentance in this way, so we're not any longer thinking of it as this is the stick I get to bash you with so that maybe, I don't know, maybe you want to be forgiven or something. We, re- we reframe it as, look, let me be honest with you. Um, I, I don't think your way of life is a way to life. It's certainly not a way to life for the child you're threatening. It's not a way to life for you, your body that you're mutilating. I, 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 if you're willing to listen, I'm, I'd love to share with you another way of life, which is a gift from the one who made us. Mm. Um, and what it would mean for you is for you to turn a, away mm-hmm. from this path and to turn to Jesus Christ and be renewed and transformed by him. That's a way of putting that in theological terms, right? Uh, and it highlights that it's not we're telling people off because they've failed. Right. But only we are showing them that God is offering them a transformed way of life. Imagine what it was like living in Nineveh in Jonah chapter 3. Right. What's happened to the king? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, he's found Jesus. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's why he's smiling. <laughs> <laughs> that's why the public beatings have stopped. You know, um, the Life changes when we receive this gift. And if we remember it's a gift to us, mm-hmm. then we're put in the right frame of mind to share it with others. Yeah, absolutely. So, and that all began with the call, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. God placed the call upon Jonah to go. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So, you know, we often think of, we've got a job to do, but it's God who's mm-hmm. designed that he wants to yeah, yeah. include Nineveh in, in his economy of salvation. And so... Yes. Jonah was just a messenger. And all we're called to do is to be faithful and bearing that message. Yeah, yeah. I'm huh. glad of this chance to talk, Pastor Shaw. Yeah, and, um, me too. Uh, I'm looking forward to a lot more. We got, well, by the time this podcast goes out, we will have had your sermon on the rest of chapter one. I'm not going to ask you for a sneak preview now because, <laughs> okay. well, anyway, because <laughs> this wouldn't be out in time to be a sneak preview anyway. Um, but I hope that in the next few weeks, um, we get a chance to do a little bit more of this. Maybe we'll have a forum session or two. Uh, folks at All Saints in particular, you may have all kinds of practical questions. Mm. Um, feel free to come and grab Pastor Shaw and um, and talk with him or me or, or Pastor Neil, I'm sure, also will be delighted to chat with you. I think this is a, it's a tremendous opportunity for us as a church. As the Lord is growing us in number mm. uh, f- and inevitably, so church growth and new uh, opportunities for ministry are on our minds, there's opportunities for ministry really on our doorstep absolutely um, and right before us and the disposition of the compassionate gracious god of jonah is is the right heart to go with yeah you got a final word for us before we go no look forward to you know really continuing to dig in this in this passage and great thankful for this opportunity wonderful well with that i hope that's been helpful you guys um uh do tune in uh, every week there's a podcast comes out Lord willing barring disasters or vacation time and um, if you have any questions obviously this is a great context in which I love to pick up questions that you may have uh, and so if you want to uh, ping anything my way by email or just grab me on a Sunday if you're not at All Saints then um, uh, you're also of course welcome to listen to this podcast and if you find yourself passing through Fort Worth then do drop in we'd love to get to know you and um, give us a chance to meet you but for now that'll do I think the Lord bless you Take care and see you next time.